Hello, and welcome to Right Now with Ralph Martin, a podcast where author, speaker, and worldwide renewal leader, Dr. Ralph Martin, shares what the Holy Spirit has placed on his heart for this moment. Words of encouragement from the Lord to strengthen you for such a time as this. Join us each week, wherever you get your podcasts, to find strength, hope, and courage for the Christian journey. And now, your host, Ralph Martin. But what I want to mainly talk about is Mary's appearances at Fatima and how it relates to the glory of God. If Mary was an evangelist at Guadalupe, you might say she's a healing evangelist at Lourdes. But then in 1914 or 15, Lucy couldn't remember. There were three little children, about 90 miles north of Lisbon, tiny little town, named after Mohammed's beloved daughter, Fatima. Archbishop Sheen thinks that that's significant and that somehow Our Lady of Fatima is going to play a role in the conversion of Islam. Mohammed writes that Fatima is the most perfect woman next to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So they have a tremendous devotion to Mary and Islam. And then here we have Mary appearing at a town called Fatima, which was named after the wife of a Spanish soldier in about the 1400s, who's, who he married this Muslim princess, and she became a Catholic, and she died, and he buried her at Fatima and named the locality after her. So that's, that's where Mary chose to appear. It's a very rural area. There were about 35 people living in the town of a little, little village at, at that time. They, they raised sheep. And then in 1914 or 15, Lucy writes in one of her memoirs, the three children were named Lucia, Jacinta, and Francisco. Lucia was the oldest one. Francisco and Jacinta were brother and sister. Lucy was a cousin. Now, she writes that when they were out taking care of the sheep, this kind of shining shape was moving across the hillside, shaped like in the form of a person, but they couldn't see distinctly what it was. And they didn't know what it was, and it happened several times in the, over the course of a, of, a, of a summer. And what Lucy thinks it was is that heaven was beginning to prepare them for a powerful encounter with the supernatural. Then in 1916, in the springtime, Lucy is now nine years old, Francisco is eight years old, Jacinta is six years old, An angel actually takes shape and appears to them. He looks like about a 15-year-old boy, shimmering. They have a very strong experience of the supernatural. In fact, Lucy says at that time, it was almost as an understanding of the Trinity was infused into their soul. They were saying a rosary at the time, but they were saying a really quick rosary. They wanted to get back to their games. So the way they said the rosary was just saying the first two words of the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Hail Mary. Don't try it. You're not supposed to do it that way. They changed after they met the angel and Mary. They were saying their quick little rosary. They were devout children, but they were very normal children. 
They said every time Jacinta heard music, they, she began to dance. She loved dancing. Lucy talks about how much she loved it when her godmother bought her gold dangling earrings and embroidered you know, stuff you know, for festivals and things like that. They, they're very normal kids. What did the angel say to them? Do not be afraid. I am the angel of peace. Pray with me. And then the angel taught them a prayer that they said for the rest of their lives that Lucy said to the day she died at the age of 97 in 2005. The angel knelt down on the ground. He put his forehead on the ground and he said, pray like this. I believe in you. I adore you. I hope in you. And I love you. And I ask your pardon of those who don't believe in you and don't adore you and don't hope in you and don't love you. And he repeated the same prayer three times. They said it for the rest of their lives. Lucy talks about being in the chapel with the other nuns, and she couldn't do it when they were there, so she tried to find a time when they weren't there so she wouldn't make a stir by putting her head in her forehead. Hey, I felt like praying that way tonight, but I felt embarrassed to do it, you know? But if any of you feel like doing it sometime when nobody's looking, it's, it's, it's good. That, that's, that's a way the angel taught them how to pray. And then he said, pray like this. The hearts of Jesus and Mary are attentive to your prayer. That was the spring of 1916. In the summer of 1916, the angel comes back again. They're out in the field. And this time he says, what are you doing? Pray, pray very much. The hearts of Jesus and Mary have designs of mercy on you. Offer prayers and sacrifices constantly to the Most High. Lucia was the only one who felt comfortable in speaking either to the angel or Mary. Uh, Jacinta could hear everything that was going on and see everything that was going on, but she never felt comfortable that she deferred to her older cousin. Francisco could see the angel and could see Mary, but couldn't hear what was going on. They had to explain it to him each time. It was a very effective explanation, though. He became a saint. Lucia asked the angel, what sacrifices are you talking about? And this is what the angel said. And it's almost identical to what Mary's going to tell them a year later. Make of everything you can a sacrifice and offer it to God as an act of reparation for the sins by which he is offended and in supplication for the conversion of sinners. You will thus draw down peace upon your country. I am the guardian angel of Portugal. And above all, accept and bear with submission the suffering which the Lord will send you. The bottom line here is the angel saying, there's, there's suffering that's part of human life. Whatever suffering that comes your way, offer that for the conversion of sinners and reparation for sins. Then he also says, make every, everything you can a sacrifice. And there's two purposes for the sacrifice in the prayer the conversion of sinners, and reparation for sin. Later on, we're going to hear Mary tell us that God is terribly offended by sin, as so little people are praying and offering sacrifice, and many people are going to hell because of that. And this is what Lucy wrote after that encounter with the angel. These words were not, no, she couldn't, she couldn't write then, but when she did write, Years later, this is what she wrote. These words were indelibly impressed upon our minds. 
They were like a light which made us understand who God is, how he loves us and desires to be loved, the value of sacrifice, how pleasing it is to him, and how on account of it, he grants the grace of conversion to sinners. Now, one of the most encouraging things, both what the angel and Mary says, is that we can make a difference in people's lives. We can make an eternal difference in people's lives. Our prayers and sacrifices can really make an eternal difference in people's lives. That is so encouraging. The third visit of the angel was in the fall of 1916. And I won't take too much time to talk about that. But one thing the angel said Well, first of all, he came with the body and blood of Jesus, and he kind of parked it in the air. There was a chalice with the blood of Jesus and a host, the body of Jesus. He just kind of parked it in the air. It just was there. It didn't fall. And then he taught them another prayer. And then he said, take and drink the body and blood of Jesus Christ, horribly outraged by ungrateful men. Make reparation for their crimes and console your God. Those words particularly deeply struck Francisco. Different words that the angel and Mary spoke kind of took root in different ways in the different children's hearts. Francisco was deeply struck by the words of the angel, console your God. When he learned that he was going to die soon and that he didn't know how to, he didn't need to learn how to read and write, rather than going to school, he spent a lot of time at the tabernacle in the little church in Fatima behind the tabernacle where people couldn't see him consoling Jesus, keeping Jesus company, being a friend to Jesus, watching and praying. Remember when Jesus Jesus said, couldn't you watch and pray an hour with me? Jesus is looking for love. Yes. He's not ashamed to say it. Jesus is looking for love. He, he, he wants to affect a marriage between him and the human race. He's looking for love. He's looking for friendship. He wants to bring us into a depth of relationship of love and friendship. And Francisco got that. He got that. And he responded in a very wholehearted way. May 13th, 1917. Shimmering light comes. It's the shape of a woman, a beautiful woman. This is Lucia's description of her. She was more brilliant than the sun and radiated light more clear and intense than a crystal glass filled with sparkling water when the rays of the burning sun shine through it. That's pretty sparkly, isn't it? That's pretty radiant. This is the radiance of holiness. This is the radiance of someone who's full of grace. This is the radiance of someone who is conceived without original sin. This is the radiance of someone assumed into heaven, body and soul, sent on a mission. And this is what the lady said. I am from heaven. They didn't know who she was. They just knew a lady from heaven. I am from heaven. Return here on the 13th of the month for the next six months at the same time. Now, Lucy, again, feels comfortable in asking some questions while she has Mary there. Will we go to heaven? That's a pretty meaningful question, isn't it? And this is Mary's answer. Yes, but Francisco will first need to say many rosaries as she looked with compassion and a little sadness at him. He's nine years old right now. There must have been something 
when they describe his personality, he seemed very laid back. He, he didn't have strong opinions about things. When people say, would you like this or like that? He says, whatever. You know, he didn't say whatever. He says the Portuguese early 20th century equivalent. Incidentally, Mary is amazingly good at languages. She's speaking an Aztec dialect, you know. She's speaking here kind of peasant Portuguese. She was speaking peasant French just a little, you know, a century ago. You know, I mean, she's, she speaks Croatian. She speaks Egyptian. I mean, I mean, it's just amazing how many, she's really, really good. Then Lucia asked her another question. What about Maria Neves? Two of her friends had died that year in Portugal, in, in Fatima. Maria Nevis was 16 years old. Is she in heaven? Mary says, yes, she is. And then Lucia says, what about Amelia? She was 18 to 20 years old. Mary said, she will be in purgatory until the end of the world. The only thing I know is that Father Andrew Apostoli, when he was doing research on his book on Fatima, said apparently there were some immoral circumstances in her life towards the end, and apparently she repented before she died, but a lot of purification was needed. One of the things we're going to see, I think, tonight is how serious sin is and, and what a price it takes for sin to be forgiven, the cross of Jesus Christ, and what kind of response is appropriate to the price that's been paid for us. And then Mary asked the, girl, the, the, the children a question. Mary never imposes a mission on anybody. Jesus never imposes a mission on anybody. He asks them if they're willing. She says, Mary, are you willing to offer yourselves to God and bear all the sufferings he wills to send you as an act of reparation for the sins by which he's offended and a supplication for the conversion of sinners, the same thing the angel asked them. They enthusiastically respond, saying, yes, we are willing. And Mary says, you're going to have a lot to suffer, but the grace of God will be your comfort. And a great light came from her hands, and then she said, pray the rosary every day to obtain peace for the world in the end of the war. It's the only thing she said in all six of her apparitions, Pray the rosary every day to obtain peace for the world. And at other times in other apparitions, she says, war is a punishment for sin. Lucy is told that she needs to learn how to read and write, but that Francisco and Jacinta don't because they're going to be going to heaven soon. Mary says, you're going to stay here some time longer. Jesus wishes to make use of you to make me known and love. He wants to establish in the world devotion to my immaculate heart, and he wanted to use Lucia as an instrument of that. Now, what is devotion to the immaculate heart? It's beholding this heart of Mary that loves Jesus more than anybody's ever loved him and is as responsive to the Holy Spirit as ever, anybody's ever been responsive and is desiring to do the will of the Father more than anybody's ever desired to do it and does it. It's beholding a heart totally surrendered to the Lord, totally responsive to the sacrifice of Christ, totally given to the gift of the Holy Spirit, totally ready to undertake the mission that Jesus is giving her. That's the heart we need to learn from so that our hearts can be like that. Our hearts can be like that.
One of the most significant of all the visions, and this is the last one I'm going to talk about, happened on July 13th. After a conversation with them, Mary opens her hands and beams of light come from her hands, and the children are given a vision of hell. This is how Lucy described it. She talks about souls flying about like embers, demons in horrifying shapes, and she said they were so horrified, they looked to Mary, pleading for help. And Mary said, you have seen the souls of poor sinners because so few people are offering prayer and sacrifice for them, many people are going to hell. And then she said, when you pray the rosary, I'm teaching you a new prayer to pray at the end of each decade. Oh, my Jesus, forgive us our sins. Save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those most in need in thy mercy. That's where that prayer came from. Mary taught it to the children after she showed them a vision of hell. Now, I think it's significant that twice in the last century, the Lord has sent special messages to remind us of the reality of hell. Here we have Mary at Fatima reminding us that hell is real and that people go there and that we can make a difference in people's lives, an eternal difference. And then 20 years later, the same thing with St. Faustina. The Lord sent an angel to take her on a tour of hell, and it's a very similar description to what we've just read here. And Jesus says, my mercy is so great, but sinners who reject my mercy are lost, are condemned. I think it's significant that twice in the last century, the Lord made a special point of reminding us of what's so clear in the words of Scripture. Jesus and the apostles talk about the eternal consequences of rejecting the grace of God. And people have fallen asleep today, have been lulled into presumption, have been lulled into uh, presuming that God is so merciful, never, nobody will be lost. It's just not true. God is so merciful, but he's not looking for robots or slaves. He's looking for people who want to be friends, who want to be in love with him. And that takes a free choice. And when there's a free choice, there's a, there's a risk. God takes our freedom seriously. And he's gone to extraordinary lengths to remind us of the eternal consequences of rejecting his grace. How significant this is for the fervor of our prayer, the willingness of our sacrifice, and our willingness to be his witnesses in the world. The last thing I'm going to share here before I say a few things about the children. The children were terribly abused. Lucy's own mother beat her. Until the very day that she died, she never was convinced that Lucy was telling the truth. A, a tremendous lifelong suffering for Lucy. They were taken to the local authorities. They, they were threatened to be boiled in oil. They were harassed. They were berated. They were separated from each other. They were kept overnight in different places. And then there was also the suffering of thousands and thousands of people starting to come and everybody wanting to talk to them. And they're not used to talking to a lot of people, you know. And they would hide, and yet they knew that part of their mission was to tell the story, and they told the story. They say, Mary, could you please give a sign so people will stop calling us liars? Mary said, Come here on October 13th, and I'll give a sign. Everybody will know who I am. I will reveal who I am, and everybody will know the truth of what you're saying. 
You know the story, October 13th, it's a miserably rainy day. People got umbrellas, they got boots, they're standing in mud. It's, it's, it's a horrible situation. Maybe 70,000 people within 20-mile radius, maybe 50,000 people right there. All of a sudden at noon, Lucy cries out, put down your umbrellas. People put down their umbrellas. All of a sudden the sun comes out. And then it starts to spin in the sky, and multicolors come from it, green and red and yellow and blue, and people are seeing all these colors hitting them. And then the sun begins to plunge towards the earth, and people start thinking that the end is here, and they start confessing their sins. They start repenting. They start confessing right, right there. And then all of a sudden, the sun kind of goes back, and it lasted about 10 minutes, And there are hundreds and hundreds of eyewitnesses' accounts of this happening. It was on the front page of a secular newspaper in Portugal. It was a very public sign that Mary gave, an amazing miracle, to underline the truth of the message. How important that we pay attention to what Mary is saying. One of the things that most, I'm going to talk a little bit about Jacinta and Francisco for a few minutes. Consoling Jesus was the thing that really struck Francisco, and he really took it to heart. Seeing the vision of hell most profoundly struck Jacinta. And she would all the time talking about, she said, if only everybody could see hell, nobody would sin again. If only everybody could see hell, nobody would sin again. And then every day she'd say, to, to Lucy and to Francisco, have you offered a sacrifice today for the conversion of sinners, for reparation for sin? Remember what Mary said, that many souls are going to hell because so few people are willing to pray and offer sacrifice for them. Now, what kind of sacrifices did these little children do? They, they started out by oftentimes giving their lunches to poor, poor people, or sometimes they wouldn't drink water during a hot afternoon but give it to the sheep. One day, people brought a plate of fruit to Jacinta, and she loves figs, and it was figs. She reached out to take a fig, and she says, oh, I haven't done a single sacrifice today for the conversion of sin as a reparation for sin. And she put it back. Little sacrifices like that. One day, they found a long rope on the pathway in in the countryside, and they, they cut it into three parts, and they put it down around their waist as like a rough rope against their waist, you know, as a penance. And they would, they would wear it even at night. The next time Mary appeared, she said, God is very pleased with your sacrifice, but he doesn't want you to wear the rope at night. Isn't that amazing? And then sometimes they would ask, everybody had intentions that they wanted to be brought to Mary. You know, ask Mary to pray for my son to be healed. Ask Mary for my daughter to get a job. Ask, you know, just all kinds of intentions. So Lucy would bring these intentions to Mary And Mary would answer them. She'd say, this person will be healed if they convert. This person will be healed, but not for a while. This person won't be healed. You know, I mean, it's just like you get the sense of the very hairs of our head are numbered. That God in his wisdom knows perfectly what the best thing for us is, whether they get healed or not healed. You know, know, I mean, God in his wisdom knows, knows the right path for us to be on for our eternal salvation. Francisco started saying rosaries like mad. He wanted to go to heaven. And here's just a few little stories about him. People would come to him and say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And this is what he said. 
A lady asked him, do you want to be a carpenter? No, ma'am. A soldier? No, ma'am. Surely you'd like to be a doctor? No, not that either. Then I know what you'd like to be, a priest. Then you could say mass and preach. No, ma'am. I don't want to be a priest either. Well, then what do you want to be? I don't want to be anything. I want to die and go to heaven. Francisco and Jacinta both contracted the Spanish flu and it went into pleurisy and gangrene, just very, very painful. Before he died, Lucy asked him, Francisco, what's most struck you in what we've been going through together? And this is what he answered. I loved seeing the angel and I loved seeing Our Lady even better. But what I loved best of all was seeing our Lord in that light which Our Lady put into our hearts. So they got infused contemplation and insight into Jesus, infused into their hearts by the Holy Spirit. I love God so much, but he is so sad because of all the sins. We mustn't commit even the tiniest sin. As Francisco's illness intensified, he had a great desire to make his first communion. He hadn't made his first communion. He had to make his first confession first. But he said, wait, I don't want to make my first confession until I ask Jacinta and Lucy if they saw me committing any sins, so I don't want to forget any. Jacinta and Lucy remembered some sins, and they told Francisco, remember that lie you told to that lady? Remember that thing you took? And Francisco said, thank you so much. I want to put it all before the mercy of God. The next day he received his first communion, Lucy came to him and said, she, he was dying. He was, he was only going to live another day. She says, goodbye, Francisco. If you go to heaven tonight, don't forget me when you get there. Do you hear me? No, I won't forget. Be sure of that. Then seizing my right hand, he held it tightly for a long time, looking at me with tears in his eyes. Do you want anything more? I asked him with tears running down my cheeks too. No, he answered in a low voice. Goodbye then, Francisco. Till we meet in heaven, goodbye. Ten o'clock the next morning, Francisco said to his mother, Mother, look at that lovely light by the door. And then he died. Mary had come for him. Mary asked Jacinta if she was willing to suffer more for the salvation of souls, and she said yes. Mary said, you're going to have to die alone in a big hospital in Lisbon. Jacinta was afraid of that. She said, couldn't my mother go with me? Couldn't Lucy go with me? Mary said, I will be with you, but this is how it has to be. Jacinta went, she had a terrible operation. They took two of her ribs out. She was too weak for general anesthesia. So did local anesthesia, it was very painful. There's an orphanage next door to the hospital where there's a nun who visited her, and Mary continued to appear to her in the hospital, said some very important things. She said wars are a punishment for sin. Previously, I shed in an apparition that this war will end soon, but if there isn't repentance, there'll be a worse war. 20 million people died in World War I. 50 million people died in World War II. And I don't think the world has turned back to God since then. So I think we're in really great danger right now. You know, that, that demonic religion 
that Mary came against in Guadalupe, that human sacrifice is going on today, it's back. The hatred of God, the hatred of the image of God and man and woman, the hatred of human life is back. And Mary is back. And God has decided to use her in the battle in a very important way. Mary also told Jacinta in the hospital that many marriages today aren't real marriages. And there's going to come a time in the future where fashions are going to be so immodest, they're going to be greatly offend the Lord. She died. Eventually, their bodies, her body was brought back to Fatima. When her grave was, when her coffin was open, her body was incorrupt. And then a number of years later, both Francisco and her were brought to the new basilica that was bought, uh, built at Fatima, and they're buried there today along with Lucia. And then last year, Pope Francis canonized Francisco and Jacinta. So now they're St. Francisco and St. Jacinta. St. Jacinta, pray for us. St. Francisco, pray for us. What most struck me about this whole event is the response of the children. Seven, nine, and ten, when Mary first began appearing, a year earlier than that, when the angel appeared to them, they believed the word that was spoken to them. They took it to heart. They let it really shape the whole rest of their lives. They got the eternal perspective. They kept their eye on the ball. What this is all about is the salvation of souls. Life is very short, and only one thing is necessary, that people end up in the love of God forever and not in hell. Now, just a few words about the glory of God. The glory of God is manifested in a very strong way in the resurrection. But the glory of God is founded in the suffering and death of Jesus. Why in John's gospel does Jesus talk about now he's going to be glorified and now the Father's going to be glorified? God is greatly glorified in the sacrifice of Jesus. What glory is given to God the Father? by the obedience of Jesus, by the willingness of Jesus to reopen the gates to heaven for the human race, by the willingness of Jesus to take upon himself the just punishment for our sin, God is greatly glorified by the suffering, passion, and death of Jesus. And the suffering, passion, and death of Jesus is the foundation for the glory of the resurrection. Like it says in Philippians, He was God. He was in the form of God, but he took the form of a slave. And because of this, he's greatly exalted. It's because of his sacrifice. It's because of his emptying out of himself. It's because he made his body a living sacrifice that the glory of God was able to lift us into the forgiveness of sins, eternal life. You can't get to a place where you can walk through walls and yet eat fish on your own strength. Try it. You can't get there. You can't get to the Trinity by deciding you want to be there. The flesh avails nothing, only the Spirit gives life. It took a supernatural act of love, a supernatural act of sacrifice 
to make it possible for us to be sons and daughters of God. He came unto his own, but his own received him not. But those who did receive him, he gave the power to become sons and daughters of God. That's the bottom line. God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That's the decision everybody's facing, eternal life or perishing. Our sacrifice, our prayer, our willingness to take up our cross every day and following Jesus is the foundation of the salvation of our soul and other souls. It's the foundation of the glory of the resurrection. In fact, the glory, the glorious of resurrection of Jesus lives in us even more the more we empty ourselves and, and, and join in the suffering of, of Jesus. Prayer, fasting, almsgiving, all of these help us live, break out of the comfort and complacency that threatens to clog our souls with indifference and lukewarmness. We need to live on the edge, on the edge of sacrifice, on the edge of passion for souls. I've been really helped by the example of these children. They have really helped me see what kind of response to the Lord I should be making. You know, I would pray, I would give alms, I would fast, but not like these children. They've helped me to pray more, to give alms more, and to fast more. And it's actually changed my relationship with the Lord. I really feel like this message from these children is so rooted in the gospel. It's God reminding us in a prophetic and charismatic way. In fact, an official in the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith, when he was making a statement on the apparitions of Fatima, said, this is a prophetic and charismatic action of God to remind us of repentance and faith in the gospel. God is so merciful to us by sending us messengers. And imagine sending his own mother. But this is the woman of the apocalypse. This is the woman of Genesis chapter 3. This is the woman whose seed will crush the enemy. This is the woman more glorious, clothed with the sun, with the moon at her feet, who's waging war against the dragon. This is a woman who's been sent by Jesus as a prophetic messenger to call us to repentance, to call us to faith, to call us to love, to call us to love and to deny ourselves for the sake of the salvation of souls, to pray and to fast, to offer sacrifices, because so many souls are going to hell because so few people are praying and offering sacrifice. What a, what a precious message. What an encouraging message that we can make a difference. Amen. This podcast is brought to you by Renewal Ministries, part of the Renewal Podcast Network. If you are enjoying this podcast, we invite you to help us spread the word by leaving us a rating or review, following or subscribing to this podcast, or sharing on social media. Until next time, this is Right Now with Ralph Martin. Ralph Martin.